Well, hey, we are so glad that you're here today and that you've joined in with us. My name is Doug, and I'm one of the pastors here at Next Level Church. And and you called us in week two of a brand new series that we're calling Faith IRL, or in other words, Faith in Real Life. And we're taking a, a, a deep dive into the study of the book of James. And James is one of the books in the New Testament, and it's one of the earliest written letters. And it's down to earth very practical, very to the point. And, and so it really is that entire book within itself is targeted towards believers. It's a letter written to uh, people who were believers and they were scattered throughout the region around uh, Jerusalem and, and throughout the whole countryside uh, into Asia Minor. Now, with that, here's what you need to know. If you're skeptical and you got all kinds of doubts, if you're questioning faith, if you are uh, just kind of checking out this Jesus stuff and trying to figure out who he is, this is a great time for you to be here because you're going to get an opportunity to, to get a, an in-depth look at why, as believers, we do the things that we do. So kind of think about it looking under the hood uh, or really getting behind the details, not just seeing on the outside what takes place, but you get to see the motivation behind what we do as believers. Now, uh, last week I shared this with you. Uh, The book of James was written to instruct Christians to live out their faith in a world that doesn't carry the same values. And and if you missed that, that message last week, I encourage you to go back and pick that back up. And we talked about this in detail. But here's the deal. It is written towards Christians, but it is written to help them and encourage them to live out the values of the new life that they have in Jesus. And quite frankly, Frankly, those new values stand in sharp contrast to the values of the world. And so uh, James just lays it out. He, 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 he spent time with Jesus. As a skeptic, he spent time with Jesus. After the resurrection, he became a follower of Jesus. James is the half-brother of Jesus. After his resurrection, he became a strong follower, raised up in leadership uh, within the early church, and, he, and then Christians were scattered throughout the region. He wrote this letter to encourage them to live out this new faith, this new faith. And it really, if you take a look at the book of James and want to surmise it, you can find it right here in chapter 2. It says, James says, show me your faith. Without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Let me put this another way. Here at Next Level, we talk about taking next steps in your journey with Jesus. No matter where you are along the way. And so, James would say, if I could put it in, in, in our kind of terms, show me your next steps without deeds. Without actions. Okay, good luck with that. Show me your next steps without actions. And James says, I will show you my next steps by my actions, by what I do, because actions are really important. Actions are a reflection of the values that are instilled within us. You see, here's the deal. This is, this is where uh, there's a bit of confusion. And I want to make sure everybody's really clear in this process, that as a believer, as a believer, I take next steps That is, I show my faith by my deeds. I take next steps not to be loved, not to to gain God's approval, not to to see that He um, 
is, is happy and content and he's not going to zap me for doing wrong. No, I don't do it because of that. I take these next steps because I am loved. You see, it's in this love relationship and God pours a new life in us as believers and we are to live out that new life. We're to, to let it out and we're to access that and understand that and live that out every moment of every day. And so today, today we're going to dive into to some key values, more key values of a believer. And it's wrapped up in this idea of listening and doing. So let's jump right in. James chapter 1, verse 19. Understand this, dear brothers and sisters. That's another phrase just for fellow believers. Understand this. You must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness of God. All right. This, these are values. These are values in a believer, in the kingdom of God. This is what's highly favored. This is what's highly blessed. Being quick to listen, to listen, to listen to people, to pay attention to people, to hear what they're saying, to listen, being slow to speak. Oh, and that stands in sharp contrast to our society, right? Because in our society, we go, I have the right to say what I want to say, and I can say it any way that I want to. I don't care how offensive it is. It doesn't matter. I have the right to speak my mind. Well, that stands in sharp contrast to this statement right here, to be slow to speak, and not only that, but to be slow to get angry. Wow. I mean, again, what does our society say? Get mad. Get even. Get your stuff. Rant and rave. Shout and scream. Do whatever you can. Be angry. It's okay. Because you, you're, you're just, as fast how you feel, that's okay. No. We have, as believers, we have the values instilled in us that we can do this. That we can live like this because it's inside of us. We just got to let it out. Why? Why is that anger piece such a significant deal? Because human anger, now there's a difference between human anger and godly anger, and I'm not going to get into that this morning. We'll delve into that at another time. But there is a difference. I mean, we've got to be real careful with that difference just because I've seen some people in their godly anger well forth human anger out of themselves. And that's not what God wants. Why? Because human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. I want you to look at this last phrase just for a minute. Maybe you just, yeah, maybe you're a brand new believer. Did you know that God has a righteousness that he desires? Did you know that? Were you aware that that is there? Sure it is. This is why James is teaching this. James is teaching this to the, he, these, are, these people are scattered out because of persecution. And they used to be in Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, uh, they had this, <clears throat> what's called the oral tradition uh, uh, of being able to, 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 to speak forth. And then that speaking was memorized. It's a tradition that we don't understand. It's how people learn from oral tradition. Today, you speak forth, you tell a story. Ten people later, the story is vastly different 
because we don't retell the story, because we're not an oral tradition, we're a written tradition. But in the first century, that was an oral tradition. And so when the, when the apostles, these followers of Jesus, these original disciples of Jesus would teach Jesus' teachings to the other followers, people would listen to those, and then they would retell those stories, they would retell that teaching, and it would be exactly as the apostles taught it. And so James is rewriting this, this information to these scattered Christians to remind him, hey, remember what you were taught, remember this stuff, remember how Jesus wants you to live, because God has a righteousness, right living, that he desires. So that's, you know, that sounds really good, right? Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Here's my question, $64,000 question. How do you do that? How do you do that? He, 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 he goes on to try to answer that. He says, here's what you need to do. Get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. <laughs> Whoa. And humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. All right, so here we go. You know, I think it's really interesting. He doesn't define what filth is. He doesn't define what evil is. Now, if you want to see some of that, you need to go back, and there's some letters to the church that was in Rome, if you read in the book of Romans, uh, significantly in the church in Corinth, in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. You can see some stuff right there that, you know, they just, God calls it out. But right here, James doesn't call it out. Why? Because there's an element that, that your personal relationship with God is your personal relationship. And as you relate to him, you begin to ask this question, God, is this good? Is this, is this right? Is this wholesome? Is this what you want me to do? Is this, is this how you want me to be? In the book of Philippians, it says, whatever is true and right and honorable and noble, if it's worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. And so with that, with, with that being said... He says, get rid of or turn away. What if I change the word here instead of get rid of to turn away? So on one hand, watch this. I'm sitting here and I'm turning towards evil and filth. Whatever that is, I'm turning to it. I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm exposed to it. I'm listening to it. I'm with a group of people that it's all about. And, and, and I'm hanging out with that. So, and I'm doing that. In the context of my life, I'm doing that. Turn away from that and turn to the word God has planted in your hearts. Humbly accept the word. That's how you do it. That's the turn. So I turn from and turn to. And quite frankly, if you've ever heard the word repentance, this is what repentance means. To turn away from and turn to. And so maybe you heard it in conjunction with, with accepting Jesus. You turn away from you being in control of your life, from you working, from you trying to make it right with God, from you trying to live your life the way you want to live, and you turn to Jesus, who's God's Son, who came in this world and died for us and rose again so we could have a brand new life in the here and now and in the hereafter. We turn away from and we turn to it says right here to turn to. Turn to. Humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. 
for it has the power to save you. What's been planted in your heart? When you accepted Jesus, the new life, this is what he's saying. You guys have a new life because you saw Jesus being resurrected. Some of you saw him. You saw the resurrection. You've heard eyewitness accounts of the resurrection. You made a decision. You accepted Jesus and you followed him. And, and when you did that, here's what happens. He's saying to these scattered followers, you got a brand new life that's been planted in you. Accept that new life. Here is where the rubber meets the road. To humbly accept it. Because it's inside of us. You see, when we accept Jesus, God plants this new life in us. Our problem is we do everything in our power to shut this life down. And we let the, the things around us shut this life down. And we let circumstance and situation and justification shut this life down. And we proudfully say, my life is better. I don't need that. I'm going to choose to live by that. Whatever that is. Instead of humbly accepting God's life. And boy, it takes a lot of humility to do that. It takes a lot of humility to go, yeah, I'm wrong. I missed it. I'm wrong. God, I'm sorry. I'm wrong. God, you're right. Your way is way, way better than my way. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give in to it because I love you. And I'm going to follow you. That's what he's saying. Humbly accept the word God has planted in your heart. That word, part of that word is Jesus. The other part of that is the ability, the word that he's talking about as well, <clears throat> is the teaching, the apostles' teaching, this teaching that took place. Remember I talked about the oral tradition. And they know that. That's been placed in their heart. God used the apostles to plant that in their hearts. And as a result of that, it's there, humbly accepted. Because it's planted in your hearts. Why? Because it has the power to save you. It has the power to transform you. It has the power for you to live this full and meaningful life that Jesus has given. This is the new life. And so with these, taking these, these two steps, the step of getting rid of and the step of humbly accepting, and these, with these two steps to so that these two steps so that I can be quick to listen, so that I can be slow to get angry, so that I can be what God wants me to be, I take these steps. And so, again, I'm still asking the question. These sound really good, but how am I going to do that? How am I going to take those steps? It comes down to one focus, one focus. For if you listen to the word and you don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror and you see yourself walking away. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. You must do what it says. Remember, I go back to the oral tradition. I talked about that. They were listening to God's word. They were listening to it. Problem was, as they got scattered, they weren't doing what it says. Now, hang on with me just for a minute. Because you might be hearing, man, that sounds like a bunch of rules and regulations and laws that God's saying, i got to do this and do this and do this. And that is not what we're talking about here. Okay? 
What we're talking about is this, they've been, the disciples talked about this new life. Jesus talked about a new life. He didn't quantify how to love your neighbor. He just said, love your neighbor. See, that's the difference between kind of a law and kind of grace. The law would say, well, here's how you love your neighbor. You got to do this, do this, do this, do this. Don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. That's a law. But Jesus said, no, man, love your neighbor. That's why there's not a law to, to, be, to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. There's not a law to that. Because it's based out of this love relationship. And so this is what it, this is, it's out of this, it's willful obedience, if I can use that word, hang on with me. Don't get all, oh man, now you got to be obedient. Yeah, but you're obedient because you're willful obedient, because you love. You love. Man, listen, when I, was a, when I was a teenager, I loved, or even, okay, maybe not, sometimes as a teenager, but when I was a kid, I love being obedient to my parents sometimes. <laughs> Not all the time, but sometimes. Why? Because I knew they loved me. And when I got older, I remember calling my mama. I'll never forget when my son was like five years old. I called my mama. And I said, hey, mama, I'm sorry. <laughs> and she said, what are you sorry for? I said, I'm sorry for all those things I did. I'm learning to understand what it is to be a parent. Because she loved me. And she cared for me. And so it's, we get to be obedient because we have this loving Father. And so therefore we get to do what it says. He said, don't just listen to the Word. Don't show up on Sunday, <clears throat> listen, walk out and not have any life transformation. Don't show up uh, on a video and listen and don't have any, any life transformation. Don't do that. That's not the way it works as a believer. Again, this is a value. Otherwise, what are you doing? You're fooling yourself. Well, I did good today. Check, I did that. I'm all good. We're fooling ourselves. Because if we listen to the Word and don't obey it, it's like glancing in the face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. Think about that for a minute. I look in a mirror, boom, I'm a good man. That's a good-looking guy right there. Dude, he's smoking tough, hot. I like that. All right? So I look in that mirror, and I see that. And then I walk away from it. And I totally forget, man, you're dumber than dirt, you're ugly, whatever, and I forget what I look like. Now think for a minute, I'm looking, hey man, I'm a believer, I'm listening to the word, I'm a believer. And then when I get away from it, I totally forget that I'm a believer and I live out the values of the world. Wow. That's what he's talking about right here. You got to listen to the word and you got to obey it. You got to listen to the word and you got to obey it. So, how do you do that? I want to go back to what I said last week. We got to put ourselves in an environment that allows us to be able to live out this new life. Part of our problem, hear, hear me, hear me, as a believer. Part of our problem in living out the values of the new life is that we refuse to put ourselves in an environment that will push us on to maturity and growth. We refuse to do it. And as a believer, that's not, that's con that is 
counterintuitive to what's inside of us. And therefore, we're living conflicted. And therefore, we're not content. Therefore, we don't have a full and meaningful life. Therefore, we don't like people. We hardly like ourselves. Because we, we don't have this going on. We need to put ourselves in an environment. Here's one of those environments. Read the Bible. Pick it up. Read the Bible. Listen to the Word. Read it and pray Asking for God's help. That's called being humble. Man, God, I just made a million dollars. I need your help in spending it. I need your help. How do you want me to spend it? God, I'm going through this awful circumstance. I just lost my job. I need your help to navigate this. God, I just found out my wife, my spouse has cheated on me. I need your help to navigate through this. God, I just found out that my boyfriend or girlfriend has stepped out from me and, and is seeing somebody else. I need your help navigating that. God, I'm a 20-game winner in, in, in softball or baseball, or whatever. I need your help in navigating that. You see what? That's humbly accepting. Why? Because we read the Word, we get in the Word, we read the Word, we pray about it, and we seek God and say, God, hey, help me to understand how to take your Word and apply that to my life. Second environment. Find scriptures that have meaning for you and memorize it. Yeah, memorize it. How do you memorize something? You read it over and over and over again. But, but it's got to have meaning it's got to have meaning one of the very first scriptures i ever memorized i still remember it to this day it's out of the book of philippians and it's chapter four and it uses and i learned it out of a, a an old school language called king james and it says let your moderation be known unto all men the lord is near moderation is the word for self-control. You see, I was an angry teenager. And I had these outbursts of anger that, that was not, did not achieve the righteousness of God. And I, and I knew that. And so I stumbled across that passage as I was reading. I found that passage. And when I did, I said, dude, I need to memorize that. And I memorized that. And here I am 40-some-odd years later, and I still remember that verse. And, and I still remember that, that, hey, let your self-control be seen. Why? Because God is with me. You see, that's when, that's when you memorize something that has significance and meaning. Find scripture that has meaning to you and memorize it. Put it right down on an index card. I don't care. Put it on digital. Make it digital. It doesn't matter how you do it. Just do it. You don't have to memorize a verse a day. You don't have to memorize a whole book of the Bible. You don't have to do any of that. Just as you're reading, you go, man, that means well, that verse means something to me. I need to memorize that. Another environment to put yourself in. What are we trying to do? We're trying, we are trying to listen to the word and do what it says. Put yourself with a group of people who are talking about, here's what they need to be talking about, by the way. Put yourself with a group of people who are talking about how they, how their lives are being transformed by what they read and pray about. Don't get in a group of people that sit around and moan and complain and gripe and grumble. Don't do that. They're going to suck you down into the ways of the world. 
Put yourself in an environment that's going to help you live out the Word. And it's finding people who are talking about what they're reading and how that is changing their lives. Put ourselves. Then we're able to, to, then we're able to do more than just listen to the Word. We're able to listen to the Word and we're able to do the Word. See, I believe this, 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 hanging out with God, these things are what I call keystone habits. Keystone habits are habits that you start that impact so many other parts of life. And this is the keystone habit that will impact every other part of your life. There's a, there's a book in the New Testament called Timothy, and there's, there's two parts, uh, part one and part two. Part of that letter to Timothy says this, physical training is of some value. Physical training, diet and exercise has value, sure. But godliness, that is spiritual training, is of value in everything and in every way since it holds promise for the present life. I got a brand new life. It's here and now. I got a full and meaningful life in the present. I've got it. It's right here. It has value right here and for the life to come. And I have eternal life. I have life in the here and now and I have life in the hereafter. Yeah. That's right. Physical training is good for some things, absolutely, hands down. But godly training, spiritual training, is good for everything. That's why it's a keystone habit. See, here's one last fact. If you claim to be religious, but you don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Wow. That's pretty strong. Goes back to this idea being quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. It takes a whole lot more to live out the values of the kingdom of God and just listening. It's about doing. And how do we get there? <clears throat> how do we get there? How do we get there? Because pure and genuine religion, that is doing stuff. Religion is, is a set of what you do and how you do it. In the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows. That's how you do it. You put yourself in an environment to care for people by putting their needs before your very own. Care for people. Caring for people in need, orphans and widows, and in their distress. And, and, and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Refusing to put yourself in other environments that, that are contrary to the values of the kingdom of God. See, that's what pure religion looks like from God's perspective. Giving yourself away or giving it away. 
See, that's the value in the kingdom of God. I don't know if you know this or not, but, but helping people in need is a value in the kingdom of God. Giving money away, hear me clearly, giving money away is a value in the kingdom of God. Giving time away is a value in the kingdom of God. Giving your talent away is a value in the kingdom of God. Why? Because when we serve, we look more like Jesus than any other time. Care for orphans and widows, people in need, people in distress. And refusing to let the world corrupt you. Making a choice. I'm going to turn from and I'm going to turn to. So I asked the same question I asked last week. And I ask you again this week. What kind of environments or activities, if you want to call them that, are you putting yourself in that will be catalytic for you to not just to hear the word, but to do the word? This is where we need to be. We need to have a group of people or one person that we can be transparent with about our life who are willing to hold ourselves accountable to. I said last week, I met with my group I have a group of men. I, I, I recall three guys. I actually have four or five that, that, that I hold myself accountable to. I'm not perfect by any stretch and means of imagination, but I'm going to tell you when you put yourself in a group of people where you can be safe and your story can be safe and you're talking about life transformation from, from the perspective of what God is doing in your life, then you're in an environment where you're going to grow, where you're going to not just hear the word, but you're going to do the word. Another environment. I've already talked about this. Read the Bible and pray. Do it every day. Get the version. There's an app called version. They can send you a verse of the day. You don't have to read a whole chapter. You don't have to read a whole book a day. You can simply read a verse a day and start there and grow. But yeah, Get in the Word. How are we going to know the values of the new life unless somebody tells us the values? And that's part of why God has this letter for us we call the Bible. Because it tells us these values that are inside of us. And it encourages us to live them out. And finally, serve others. Serve others. Makes us look more like Jesus who's inside of us. Puts us in an environment. Remember what Jesus said, I came, to, I came to serve, not to be served. Serve. Serve. Find somewhere to serve. You may, you may not be in, 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 in the Charlotte area to be able to come and be a part of our meetings. But you need to find a place to serve. But we need to serve. Because when we serve other people, we're putting ourselves in an environment to hear the word and to do the word. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for
today. Thank you for your teaching. And man, whew, sometimes it's kind of hard. But it's awful encouraging. It is extremely encouraging. Because you have a plan and, and purpose for our lives. And, and if we would humbly accept this new life that you've placed in us when we accept Jesus, we can live a full and meaningful life, not a frustrated life, not a hurt life, not a, not a life that's spiraling down. Not a life that's misguided, not a life that's missing out. But a life that's that enables us to live out the desires of righteousness that you have. So Lord, help us. Help us to take some steps. Help us to put ourselves in an environment. we can, yes, hear the word, that we can do the word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, thank you again for sharing with us today and being part of the conversation. And, and if, if this has helped you, if this has been a ministry to you or has ministry, ministered to you at other times, would you do us a favor and share this? However you want to share this, you can like us. That's a great way. Uh, you can like us. You can actually take the link and share it with a friend as well. But, but just share it. Get the word out there because there's people just like you who are looking for things, teaching just like this so that their lives can be changed. And so I encourage you to share. Like us and share. That would be awesome. Hey, and, and, and if you're so compelled, we would love for you to give to this ministry. Why? Because people have given so that this can take place right here, right now. And you can then you can give so that other people just like you can have this experience. You can go to our website. You can click give. You'll see the, there's a couple of ways that you can give. You can do that. But just know that when you give, you are impacting other people's lives in a huge way as we honor God. Now. It is my hope and prayer that for you starting today and this week that you will put yourself in an environment where you can hear the word and do the word and thus be blessed by God. You guys have a great week. Thank you so much for being with us.